Welcome to the all-new Francisca Show podcast, a Jewish coffeehouse network. Welcome, Esti Gulcha. It's so great to be here again. I want to thank you for putting out such thoughtful podcasts. This podcast about Julia Hart with Dr. Frat got so deep into my guts that even after I was listening to it, I was in a workout class and I was just thinking about arguments back and forth. And, and I had to call you today to let you know sort of why I understood where Dr. Frat was coming from. But ultimately disagreed with her on many points. In my head, when I would think about your feedback, I didn't expect you to come out. I was sure you're going to be like, and that was on point and that. So I was expecting somebody who identifies Haredi to come back and say, "Okay, well, this is wrong and that's wrong. So somebody who identifies today as modern Orthodox, would you say you identify more as modern Orthodox than Haredi? On a spectrum of Judaism. That's, that's probably true that I, <laughs> that I'm closer to the modern Orthodox side than the Haredi side. Absolutely. Let's talk about the points that you'd like to rebuttal. Yeah. Just for background, I, I spent a year and a half in Gates at seminary, which I think is very much to the right. We actually had a, a lot of girls from, from Base Apples of Bar Park, which Dr. Frat went to feed into the same. So I feel like I definitely understood, um, where 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 Dr. Frat was coming from in in the lecture she heard from her teachers and what they were encouraged to do. After Gates said I went to Stern College, Yeshiva University, which was a culture shock, went on to do my master's in Jewish studies in Revel. And then after that, a few years in the workforce, did my master's, my MBA at Stern, and now I work in a tech company and that's that's just the background on my own transition what and you are a co-ceo that's true and i run a startup i have a startup a few things i want to bring up so dr frat was extremely critical of the messaging and the and the upbringing in the haredi world towards women i.e she wasn't educated to become a doctor she became a doctor despite her base upbringing not because of her Beisakov upbringing and that in Beisakov, they want you to marry a learner and they want you to not focus on your career, but focus on becoming a mother and a daughter. And well, that's true. And I definitely went through that myself. And had I, I also, I, I had those exact thoughts. Had I gone to a very academic school, maybe I would have gone to an Ivy League college. Maybe I would have needed them be, maybe it would have taken me 10 years after school to get there. That being said, Having seen the other the other side of this, having employed these students from top colleges and having to fire many of them, what I see on the other side is this culture of like self-absorption that's focused on the how do you feel right now? Just do what you want to do right now. So like I've had interns who take mental days and they'll let me know about it at 3 p.m., and people who literally don't feel like doing anything and then they don't do anything. And it's like, how do you expect to accomplish anything when you have an attitude like that? Uh, how do you accomplish to stay in a job? How do you, when you're not accountable to goals? I've never seen what I like to call such smart, stupid people or such stupid, smart people is a, is a better term. So Walby Sakov might have not pushed her or me to pursue a career as a doctor and would have said much better if you'll be a nurse or much better if you'll be a secretary in an office than actually run the company. They do teach you to work your behind off. 
for what's right, right? Like if you're going to be a colo wife and you're going to be poverty stricken and you're going to have kids every year, like there is no break. Like it's all about reaching the goal. And whether that goal is Amuna, getting to Lamhaba, what, what the Jewish equivalent of 72 virgins is, the, the idea is you have to work hard and nothing comes easy. And, and I think that's an attitude I've been brought up with. A few, a few stories that I had when we were growing up, if in our family, if you didn't, if you didn't feel well in the morning, you didn't not go to school. Our mom would tell us, oh, you don't feel well? Okay, so when you come home from school and finish your homework, you could go to sleep earlier. No one's, no one's forcing you to play or chat with your friends. That, that's what will get cut out. Not like, oh, you get a break because you don't feel well. Or another, another uh, story, we were part of a singing and dancing troupe in, in school. And on one of our performances, Someone went onto stage with my ballet shoes and I didn't have shoes to go out with. And I just fell apart and started crying behind, behind the stage. And this girl came over to me and I was crying and I was expecting like some sympathy or a hug. And she looks at me and slaps me in the face. And I was like, hey, what was that? She was like, pull it together and get out on stage and do your piece. It's like, there's this, there's this understanding of being accountable and doing what you need to do. So in terms of, accomplishments in terms of grit being able to pick up basically from zero which it sounds like to go to Turo and then to take the MCAT and to go to medical school or for me to to go through the journey that I went through and at work you know to to be the one who's willing to take on projects and to work over port I think that that is very much something that that we were raised to do and and people in the Haredi community are raised to do another thing that I want to address that she spoke about was like the disrespect and the fact that they they won't publish the Haredi community won't publish p- pictures of women in their magazines, which you're very against. Of course, I'm against it. Like, do I buy the Mishpat and Nami? Absolutely not. I, I I'll, I'll look online on the forbidden internet or whatever I need to look at, um, and I don't. I'm not. I don't think people are very turned on sexually by seeing a face of a 60-year-old or even a 20-year-old student. But from a business perspective, as a business owner, like look at the market. Look at the Jewish press and the Jewish week, which absolutely feature pictures of women versus Mishpacha Nami. And tell me who's struggling financially, who has a larger readership base, who has advertisers knocking down the door begging to advertise. So if you look at it from a free market perspective, the Haredi market is doing much better. There's there's much more supply and demand going on over there, which I think speaks for itself. And 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 that's a point I want to bring up is that while I might have not chosen the Haredi path for myself ultimately, I think Haredi people have the right a hundred percent to choose that life for themselves if they want to. And I remember having a conversation with my father. I, I don't remember the year exactly, but in France, when they were talking about enforcing the Burqa ban and my father went lobbying French politicians to not, to, to, to pose against the ban. Burqa. And I, I looked at, at him and I was like, but daddy, like, why are we pro burkas? Like burkas are, you're, forcing women to cover their face and my father's like i'm not pro burqa i'm against not giving people a right to wear a burqa if they want to wear a burqa if if people live in a society and they believe that 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 their way of serving god is by wearing a longer skirt that's their right 
I don't have to wear a longer skirt. But but they absolutely have the right. In the same way, I don't want to be judged for the choices I've made. They don't want to be judged for the choices they make uh, either. If if someone chooses to be a full-time mom or if someone chooses to be a secretary, that's fine. They They can choose that. And as I'm seeing more and more repression of freedoms in the name of freedom happening right now in the country, and that's something also we saw with, with communist Russia, where, you know, why, why is communism great? Because it's equality for all. But equality for all means equality for no one. It's people can't accomplish because the, the lowest denominator, that's the common denominator. So everyone has to be equally as poor, make 150 rubles a month. Tell us about you being published in the Ami and Mishpacha yeah, as an entrepreneur. Okay, but, but just to finish that point is that, is that everyone has a right to have their own opinion and live life the way they, they want. And, and when we say that I know what's right and I know that that's oppression and therefore no one can live their life that, that way, just remember that you're also restricting someone's right to, to do that. And what if you end up being wrong? Or what if this is right for you but not right for them? So I feel like that that lack of freedom. Like ultimately, Efrat had the ability to leave and she didn't thrive with the bathwater. Now she's living somewhere in an orthodox capacity. I also, I, I, I found a balance somewhere in the middle, which I, I think is great for me and everyone else can choose whatever they want. And yes, Freddie's reminding me that I was written up both in the Mishpacha and with Aami. It was very funny because they wouldn't put a, put a picture of me, but I did get an offer for $100,000 in funding from the Ani competition. And he wanted a picture of my husband to put it in. And I was like, it's okay, you don't need a picture of my husband. But I was, I was happy to be featured. Definitely helped the business. And like, I didn't have a problem. So that's the thing. It's like, those are their rules. And I'm coming into their competition and I'm, I'm in their territory. If, if I don't like it and I'm opposed to it, I have a right to not be featured there. And I made the choice to be featured with their rules. And and that was the discussion about Julia Hart and and her daughter going into Muncie and telling her daughter, no, you wear your jeans, you know. And like when I when I go to friends and family who I love very much and love spending time with, and I go for Shabbos, no, I I won't wear the same stuff that I go to the gym with. <laughs> I might not be the most, I might not win the competition of most newest person in town, but there is this idea of like being more respectful because you're going into their territory. And I understand that there's emotional baggage and it could be hard, but Julia wasn't telling her daughter how to dress. She was saying, you're going somewhere and you're going to be disrespectful. And I think it's good that you brought up that Louis example because she understands the concept of being respectful very much when it comes to Louis But when it comes to being respectful to a Haredi community, not so much. And then the, the free market thing, I also just wanted to apply it to one more thing. She said with Hatsala and the Ezra's Nashim. I want to talk about First of all, you don't want Hatsala, you could call 911. And then you, you'll have a woman or a man treat you who probably isn't your neighbor and the response time will be worse. There's a trade-off to everything. And show me one other community in the world that has something as organized as, and as phenomenal as Hatsala. And you want to tell me there was a turf war and there's politics? I have no doubt. Of course there's politics. There's politics in everything. But that doesn't mean that it isn't a phenomenal organization that does so much good. I, I could think of a few examples of organizations that do a lot of good and do not like competition. I think, I think that's normal. Uh, and big organizations will fight competition at every point that they can. And it's the job of the small guys to fight their way through. It's not easy. It's not, it's not like you launch new things and everyone's like, oh my gosh, how amazing. Just 
everything's a fight in my like everything's a fight and and you have to fight for things and i think ultimately and it's and and life isn't supposed to be easy and i think ultimately that is something the haredi world did prepare us on but one more thing i want to touch on is that in the haredi world there's a lot of room to be very smart less smart more from less from yes you'll need to like abide by a spectrum of laws but like your skirt could cover your knees very much. It could cover your knees a little bit. You could have a very sneeze shaitel or a very long and sexy shaitel. But but there's and and for guys like th- there 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 are different stripes. There's there's black and white and then there's gray. I'm not going to say there are colors. I'm not going to go overboard. But in the modern Orthodox world, to succeed, you need to be so smart, so diligent. It's so much of a thinner line to walk to to stay from. In 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 the Haredi world, you pretty much follow certain rules, and and you'll be from the the, the percentage of people who go off the derech is is lower in the Haredi world than in the modern Orthodox world because it's hard to be excellent at math, excellent at science, and excellent at gemara, and excellent in tenach, and go to daven every morning, and have time to learn, and get into an Ivy League school, and play sports, and excel at everything, and you need to make much more money because tuition is much more expensive. It's it's a much harder life and it's it's a life for the select few who can who can who can do it it's really difficult and the Haredi world I feel like in certain ways has a lot more room for people to to make mistakes and and to not to not to not be perfect and really good at everything so that's my rant you also said one thing about Julia Hart where you are judging her yeah so so my sister is very nice Francisca starts to show. I'm not telling you my opinion and I don't want to judge. We just want to discuss for the benefit. And I want to say, if you went off the derrick and you want to wear shorts and have your boobs hang out and live in Phoenix and smoke pot all day, awesome, cool, do whatever you want. But if you're going to make a Netflix documentary where you rub it into everyone's face that that community is crazy and you're normal by stuffing your nose into your 14-year-old son's business by making him make out with people against his will then i'm gonna judge you <laughs> like you're in my veins uh, i'm gonna say no thank you unsubscribe no yeah like you can't you can't have it both ways you can't go out and show the whole world the choices you've made and rat on like communities as a whole and then the second anyone tells you anything you're like oh, don't judge that's like excuse me <laughs> no that's not gonna be so yeah, that's that's another thing. So yeah. So let me ask you this: What do you want to raise your kids? How do you want to raise your kids? <laughs> now that I have food, I'm like, I want to. Month by the it's, way, a- last time you were on, you were pregnant. I want to give my kids a good life. I feel like everything Arvin and I have worked for in our lives, so that we could give our kid a good life. But I want my kid to have grit. I want my kid to succeed. I want my kid to know how to fight. I want my kid to know how to think for himself, how to talk back. Like those things are important. And I want him to know that he's great. And I want him to trust how he feels, but I want him to think of the long term. I don't want him to be like every time, oh my gosh, I'm offended. I, I want I want grit, which I feel like I definitely don't see that right now in the world around us. So in the part where we're on it, which is not Haridi at all. So let me, I have two points yeah. to counter what you said. Number one, uh, perhaps 
the modern Orthodox publications do a bit less well than the Haredi ones, and I don't know their data, so I can't speak to that, is because modern Orthodox communities have access to regular media, and they're competing with extremely high budgets and extremely big audiences and big talent and big advertisers. Whereas the Haredi community created this bubble, and if you want access to that bubble, you have to pay high prices to advertise there because it's capped. And they have... I'm not arguing right. with that, but but the reality yeah. still remains the same. The Jewish press okay. is struggling for, for, for advertisers, while well, Mishpacha is not. Okay, and the other thing I wanted to say was the... What the modern Orthodox community provides that as much as there is room for more options, you don't have to be necessarily, well, for men, you do need to excel scholarly wise. You, you do want to be in a Kola lifestyle potentially and excel at learning Torah, but maybe for the women, there are lesser standards. The conversations that need to happen, Dr. Frat spoke about that. I can have these conversations in a modern Orthodox community, whereas in the Haredi community, they're moving at a much slower pace. And if I wanted to bring a certain discussion and write about that and have it published in Mishpacha, I don't know if they would allow that. Yeah, so I, I was actually also thinking about that. And and she also said they don't want to lose people, so they should deal with these they problems. Failure. And I, I disagreed with that because I think they know perfectly well that by restricting people in specific ways, they are going to lose people. And I think they'd rather have the lifestyle they have, then keep more people on board and compromise on what they call their essential values. So it's collateral damage. Uh, yeah. And I, I think they're perfectly aware of that. And I think they're fine with that. The other thing is, I do think change is happening within way too slow for me to be interested in remaining. But like, if you look in Israel, what's happening with Rifka Rabbits, who you could say about her whatever you want. I'm not her biggest fan. But she's... Who is she for any listening she doesn't know? the daughter or daughter-in-law, I want to say daughter, of the former head of the Haredi Ashkenazi party, which is now Gada, used to be Degla Torah, and she has 12 kids, and she was the chief of staff for Ruven Rivlin, who was the president of Israel, and she was like, you know, one of those examples she of Haredi it. successful women. You could argue she has a ton of protectia. If I was the daughter of a head of a uh, political party, maybe I also would have gotten a nice chief of staff position for the president. But that being said, she's fighting for a position in in the Aguda. Now she's fighting for, I don't know if she'll succeed or not, but it's a new type of initiative. A few years ago, the daughter of Revovadi Yosef was fighting to be in Wishas. She didn't win that fight. There are a few women who started their own Tarady party for women like, there are people fighting that fight. I'm not interested in fighting that fight just because I want to be making money and I want a life that's not, like, disappointment 24-7. But for people who do want to stay in the community and fight that fight, call a kavod. And you know what? They're not succeeding last year and they might not succeed this year. If they keep on fighting, they will. These families are husbands and wives. They're having conversations at the end of the day. If it's really important, like, things will move. And the reason, a big reason why, why rabbis and teachers are pushing, like, no, we don't want you to have a career 
is they're fighting the trend. They see that women are succeeding and are are getting for and are are getting really good at their jobs. And there are struggles in the family when suddenly the woman is the mother, is the bread maker, and does everything around the house. And and the husband learns two hours and then takes a five hour coffee break. That it's causing issues in the home as well, and men feel emasculated. So they're trying to push against it. But um, sorry. But but the reality is, is that community also has a life of its own and it's also moving in a certain direction. And and rabbis and men sitting in a boardroom, as Farad said, might try to stop that, but they're also only so powerful. So so I'm interested to see what happens. I'll be following through the sidelines. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on. As always, very appreciated. For anyone listening, Esty is my sister. But um, <laughs> no, and that disqualifies everything. That was, no, but thank you so much for bringing this conversation up. It's such a great conversation. Thank you. And I'm not seeing so many people taking the conversation into this direction. I've seen a lot of other conversations, but not this. So and I'm excited to be. I love being controversial. Bring it on. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Friend. Thank you so much for listening until the end. And if you enjoyed, please tell a friend, leave a review, and make sure to subscribe so you get a notification the next time an episode is out. Have you been thinking of launching a podcast? Great. Let me help you launch and produce your show and take the headache away. Just click on the link in the show notes and make sure to tune in next time. See ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.